in a world where people try to do stuff they don't know how to do. One man, okay, two men, are standing by with the best advice on Earth. Ow. Well, most of the time. Welcome to the all-around home improvement hour. Now here's Charles Thayer and the man they call the Polish powerhouse. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, gentlemen, wee ones, and pets. This is the all-around home improvement hour right here on the most educated station ever known to man, woman, and pet. Twin Cities wow. News Talk, AM 11. Yeah, that's big. Here that's we go. Here we go. Crazy. Such an epic opener to a show. I love it myself. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Charles Thayer. I'm proud to be your home improvement slayer. That's right. We at All Around and here at the All Around Home Improvement Hour slay home improvement topics every single week. And that, that means slay in a good way. And I'm here with my partner, best friend, and co-host of the show, the one and only, the very Polish, the Polish powerhouse. Oi. Brad with LP SmartSide, can you tell us what this guy's saying? I have no idea. Well, it's Polish. Sounds violent. So we don't expect you to understand it. It has something to do with merry-go-rounds, pretty sure. Angry. It's really like the horse. <laughs> <laughs> Riding on the hook. Well, uh, now, when you did go on merry-go-rounds as a child, Ruben Saltzman of Structure Tech Home Improvements, did you go on the moving horses that went up and down or the stationary ones? Oh, the moving ones. The yeah. ones that go up and down are boring. Merry-go-rounds, to start with, are boring. But you take a merry-go-round and you have a stationary. Yeah. What was it? It was like a booth. Right. Let's be honest. There's nothing better than sitting on the bench. In the merry-go-round. They all have the bench. The sleigh or Santa sleigh yep. or something weird in the middle. Just I don't know where Santa on the bench, just right. going Good in day. circles. Yeah. Good what day. about you, Brad? Yep. Legs crossed, ready to go. You know, go. I'm kind of with the Polish powers here. Just taking it easy, just chilling, just watching people. You know, it's kind of cool. Well, let me tell you something about Sightseeing. There you home go. improvement slayer Thayer here. Merry-go-rounds are terrifying to me. Anything in a circle at those parks, I mean, I'll go on any roller coaster. I'll go on whatever. But anything in a circle, especially those absolutely horrific swings, the, the, the chain swings. Oh, yeah. No. I will turn um, whiter than a ghost, the white ghosts. Things I like at the fair, beer garden and food mm-hmm. of in, all kinds. In that order? Ferris wheel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. How do you feel about Circles. That? Nothing, nothing okay. circles. They're just terrifying to me. And and I think I'm you know I, I'm I'm a pretty tough guy but but that's that's pretty terrifying. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the All Around Home Improvement Hour, and every Saturday from noon to one, we bring a lot of different topics, uh, including merry-go-rounds, but also home improvement related stuff, DIY, DI, don't why, don't do it yourself, some of that stuff, uh, and much much more. Our phone lines are open. We are live. So you can call 
1978. You can also go online, allaround.com, learn more about the radio show, and click on a link to listen to our podcast, which, by the way, thank you, Ruben, for letting me know that uh, we have some technical difficulties with that link, but that'll be up and running again in four months. Don't worry. We'll get, <laughs> I we're can't gonna, wait. We're going to yeah. get right on that. Yeah. That is uh, top 15 on the priority Listen, list. When it comes to bits and bytes, don't come here. I got, I got <laughs> right. not, nothing for you. Gigs. I clicked like the that. button and it didn't work. I, I swear I'm doing it right. I don't know what's going on. Now, if you are to go to that uh, site, you're going to notice that uh, we do a whole lot more than radio. It's actually not our primary gig. Uh, Nick and I run all around. We're an exterior contracting team here in the Twin Cities metro area. We've been doing it uh, well over 10 years, and we love what we do. So uh, we also decided to partner up with the ladies and gentlemen that we work with uh, day in and day out, the different companies, uh, tradespeople, everybody related to this industry that, that we associate with and bring a radio show to you. Um, it is interactive, and you can participate. So we got a jam-packed show today. We have Ruben Saltzman with Structure Tech Home Inspections I, on here with us. Ruben, it feels like it's been too long. It's been way too long. It's been at least, like, two months almost. Exactly. Is it Terrible. really already? Yeah. Been, uh, time goes fast. I know, right? We're having Ruben sandwich withdrawals. We need more Ruben Hey-o. sandwich uh, with us. And then we also... Light on the sauerkraut, please. And, Brad, it's been a while Nobody since we've had you with us, too. Brad Presley with LP Smart Side, the siding company that we love to work with the most. Brad, welcome back to the show. Yes, thank you for having me back as well, and I, we appreciate the partnership. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, it's it's exciting to have you guys on because not only, uh, Ruben, are you bringing um, education and information from a home defect and what you're finding out there, non-biased information, so, so that's why it's important to have you on with us as an expert, but also, Brad, you come from the manufacturer's standpoint, a manufacturer's, uh, I guess, perspective of things, uh, what goes right and what goes wrong with siding and home improvements on, on that side of things. So let's jump right into today's show topic. And, Ruben, I have uh, what looks like an index of things here uh, to talk about today. Why don't you just dial us in and let, let us know where we're going to start? All right. That sounds great. Thank you so much, Charles. Appreciate it. And uh, you know what? I got I to gotta throw this out there. Every time I come to the show and I bring topics that I want to talk about, it's just stuff that I've written about lately. It's stuff that's on my mind and I want to talk more about. I do a blog on my website. If you, if you Google home inspection blog or Ruben's blog or Structure Tech blog or anything with the word blog in it related to home inspections, it should be the first thing that comes up on Google. You're right. So you shouldn't have any trouble finding it. If you want to read along or look at pictures for, with any of the stuff we're talking about, uh, that's that's where this all comes from. So A1, the first thing I wanted to discuss was egress requirements and the myth that you need two openings in a home to get out. I hear this repeated on home inspection discussion forums all the time saying, oh, yeah, you, you need two ways out of every house. You need a front door and, and you need a – or excuse me, for a sleeping room, you need to have a door that opens to the rest of the inside. Sure. Mm-hmm. And you need a window or a door – could be that opens well, to the that's outdoors. Totally what I thought. So, yes. what what is the real deal? Well, the real deal is uh, well. First off, what's an egress? Well, if you look up the definitions at the beginning of the building code, they don't even define the term egress. Oh. It's kind of an older term. Now there there is mention of egress in the building code, but it's not the type that we typically think of. When you're thinking of a way to get out of a room in case of a fire. The, the new term for that, and I don't know how, I don't know when this changed. It, it went to at least as far back as the 2000 code. The new term for that 
is an emergency escape and rescue opening. Yeah, now, that's what that's what I thought. Egress, escape, a way out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the official term. I still call it egress. One and, and the same, time, right? I mean, it's pretty much. I mean, t- technically they're different, but if you say egress, nobody should correct you. If they do, then well, they're just being a jerk. No, Pretty much. Um, I'll try not to correct anybody. Uh, so uh, it's it's an emergency escape and rescue opening. You can find all the definitions in the state building code, but there is no requirement to have an opening to the rest of the house. If you wanted to have a bedroom that's only accessible from a door, a door that opens directly to the outdoors, you could do that. Now, I'd like that for my 18-year-old daughter uh, because... Once kids get to the age where they think they're adults, things get very annoying around the house. So that's the only practical purpose that I could understand somebody throwing an exterior door to a room, but no access to the rest of the house where you have bathroom, water, you know, unless you had all, a kitchen, all those other things. Let me just yes. do what I normally do and make no sense here. What if someone was to not have a window on the outside and instead of a door on the inside, they had an egress window? Well, you, you could st- do that. Well, now I didn't. I didn't cover this in here, but uh, you know, Chapter Three Ten of the Building Code talks about the emergency escape mm. and rescue opening. Three Ten. Okay. okay. But the chapter right before that, or maybe it's right after. It's the one right after that. Talks about how you do need to have a path of egress out of a home, and you need to have a door that lets you out somewhere in the house. Sure. So anywhere you are in the house, you need to be able to walk outside of a door, and that's where this myth comes from that you need two openings in a home. So as long as you have one door in that bedroom to get out, you don't need a door to the rest of the inside of the house. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. And so just a couple other thoughts on... Uh, Te- why, uh, why don't you do a tease on the next one here, Ruben, then we're going to go to a break and we'll come back and dive right in. Oh, we've got so much more to discuss on egress, though. Well, egress it is, then. All right. All right. What the egress is going on? Escape. All right. Next, we're going to talk about uh, fully sprinkler buildings and how you when you have one of these... You can get away with even having an egress opening. And we're going to talk about the renewal by Anderson exception. Mm, I'm interested to hear that the most. Tell you what, we're going to egress to a break. And then when we come back, we're going to dive right into more topics right here on the All Around Home Improvement Hour. One eight hundred eight five four nineteen seventy eight. Again, eight hundred eight five four nineteen seventy eight to call us and participate here at the All Around Home Improvement Hour. Right now is a great day to call in with any home improvement related question because we do have an expert panel on hand here, ready to answer any question you have. Possibly, I mean, we, you know, I mean, we're not. Cool absolute geniuses or anything but the polish right although i was going to say the polish powerhouse wears a size not fit on a head one size fits all does not necessarily fit my head right there's a lot of brain up there (laughs) exactly and other just like wasted space so we're hanging out with brad presley with lp smart side and also uh ruben saltzman with structure tech home improvements and before the break we're talking about misconceptions of egress windows. A couple more facts to hit on with the egress window thing. Uh, take us away, Ruben. All right. So I teased it. I talked about uh, how you might be able to get away with a basement bedroom with no egress, no windows to the outside. It is legal to do in Minnesota. This is an exception that we've made in our building code if you have a fully sprinklered building. Oh, 
You can have a basement bedroom with no egress. Now you're talking... That would count as a bedroom, right? Because, you know, they yeah. say if you don't have the egress, it doesn't count as a bedroom. Yeah, but it's an exception if it's fully sprinklered. Now, I, you know, it's hideously expensive, but just be aware, you that, can get there that way. That was the thing, right? For a while, they had for a couple of years, if a house was over a certain size, it was required to have a, you know, it, the indoor it sprinkler. Like, it was a very short period. Kind of time. came but and went real fast, right? It's still yeah. in the actual international building code. It was just amended out of the Minnesota side. That's right. Mm-hmm. And it gets amended out everywhere, basically, I think, except for California. Can you imagine being in a fire? You can't leave your room because it's hot. The door's hot. The sprinklers go off. You're just you're just getting hosed down with water. I just waited out, I think. Yeah, right? I know. But I mean, I was just picturing myself sitting on the end of my bed waiting for this whole thing to end. It's smoky. It's, you know, I mean, that would suck. But at least you're not dead. Well, I'll tell you, with those sprinkler systems, I mean, when you see how much water comes out of those. Uh, is it pretty intense? That, the other side of that door is never going to get hot. It's like. It's, really? <laughs> yeah. It's like not it's like crazy. the motel off Highway 8 in Amory, that water, that water pressure. It's a lot more pressure than that. I'm going yes. <laughs> no trickle effect. Dri- drip every three <laughs> seconds. So anyhow, oh, what else we got, Ruben? All right. So uh, I, I said the renewal by Anderson exception. There's really no such thing as that, but people joke about it and call it that. You know, we have certain sizes that you need for a window. We were just discussing this at the break. The, the current standard for egress or emergency escape and rescue opening is 5.7 square feet of openable area. Which is That's not a, a lot. huge opening. Get out of here. That's t- I, it doesn't, That's I mean, it doesn't seem like it. You think 5.7, it doesn't seem like a lot. But, yeah, when you put it into a window, I guess. You know, well, you got a double hung. We talked about double hungs. I mean, yeah. if, if that's got to open up two feet, that's a big height. Yeah. To open two feet. And then it's got to be almost three feet wide to get egress. Yeah. I mean, you can you can hardly even get there with a double hung. That's a big, big double hung yeah, window. Yeah, it's like you almost got to switch over to a casement. So wait, if, if you want just egress. to clarify for the listeners what we're talking about, when, when we talk about a double hung window, we're talking about a window that operates vertically up and down. And both sashes, the top part and the bottom Ooh, part good call, ac- actually move right. up and down. And so in order to get that two, two and a half foot, is that what it is, two, two and a half foot clearance, uh, the window has to be abnormally large. And that's why you said, Nick, most people go with a casement. And, yeah, single casement, yeah. And, you know, crank out. I, crank. I thought you were going that uh, I was calling it a double hung, and I could have maybe said just a single hung. Sure, That's sure. all I have at my home. I okay. have single hung windows. Correct, which, which is just, just the one sash, just the right. bottom uh, part of the window is operable uh, vertically, up and down. But most people, yeah. again, go with a casement. What we call casement is what most people call a crank-out window. That's so this right. exception, I'm, I'm curious about it because well, I feel like yeah. I've heard of it before. Well, we have this thing in our code that says if you're going to be replacing an old window, say an old double-hung window, and the upper sash is painted shut and the lower sash has broken sash cords and glazing putty falling out, you can hardly even open it. Well, there's an exception in our building code that says if you're going to replace an existing window, you can use the existing frame and you can put in a replacement window provided it's the largest same type of window made by the manufacturer. And you can reduce the dimensions, I I believe it's uh, by two inches in each direction. So you can actually go smaller than what was code at the time the home was built with a replacement window. And people joke that this is the renewal by Anderson exception because... Well, rumor has it they they were heavily influential in making this uh, the rule this exception yeah 
to to get their products sold. They do a lot of insert pocket windows. They influence yeah. the lobby a little bit, right? Possibly a little. Mm. Yeah, I've heard they've got some money. Private I mean, market influencing government. I, I have nothing against this. I mean, wh- which would you prefer to have? This oh. old window that you can't even open or a window that's a little bit smaller and opens nice and smooth? Right. It's it's easy to understand. Sure, absolutely. And I think that there has to be some room for leniency because every home is different and things have changed over time and you just can't handcuff uh everybody to uh, changing rules and everything. You have to you have to allow some sort of grandfathering in. But I'd like it to be called the all-around rule. Is that is there any Make problem? it happen. That, is, okay, Make it can happen. We work on that. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to put that on my list of things to do. Just take a big check. <laughs> nice. <laughs> What else we got? All right. We've, we got more to talk about on egress, but let's come back to that if we run out of stuff to talk about because we got so much other stuff. Let's talk, about, let's talk about firewalls and how there is no such thing as a firewall in residential construction. Really? Yeah. Mm. Everybody calls it a firewall. You need a firewall between the house and garage. Garage, yeah. You hear it all the time. Yeah. It's, it's a misnomer. Uh, it's another one of those things, kind of like egress. But there is such a thing as a firewall. It's defined in the building code, in the in the commercial building code. And I'm going to paraphrase here. I won't read the definition. But it basically says it's a big, thick, honking wall that goes between two different types of occupancies. And one occupancy can completely burn to the ground, and the wall is going to remain there. And it completely separates the other dwelling. It, it's completely different structures. No fire is going to get through that thing. Man, I could have used that with some of my roommates back in, you know, I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Who knows what they're doing in there? Wait a second. I was your roommate. All right. Besides that, we had another one, though. We had a oh, little more, yes. We had a more problematic roommate when uh, Nick and I were just out of high, high school. And so we could have used a firewall. We could have used a smell wall. There could have been the def- certain... Certainly, uh, sound things, wall. Yeah, yeah, a lot so, of different things. So, firewall, fire rating, uh, relation there at all you whatsoever? Know, I, I think a good term for the wall that's required between a house and a garage, because you do need to have a wall there, I, I think a good term for it would be the fire separation wall. Yeah. And, you know, it's not even a rated assembly. It wouldn't even be right to call it that. All the building code requires there is that you have half inch drywall. Provided there's dwelling space on the other side of the wall, mm-hmm. you need half-inch drywall. There's a common misconception or, well, I shouldn't say that. There, there's common belief that you need to have all the joints mudded and taped. Mm-hmm. That's only something that some building officials may require. Okay. There's nothing in the building code that says you need to mud and tape your joints. That's, that's just people saying we want to have this done in our city. That's right. all it is. And and if the building official says they want it, then they can. Well, then they must have it. They are the authority. Yeah, I didn't know that. I guess I'm, I was always under the impression that wall was was taped, like you said, taped and mudded the the joints. And that's probably just from most people do that, right? It seems like yeah. a lot of a lot of builders. I'm sure not all. Yeah, most are, people are do doing it. that. When when I went through classes to become a building official, the person teaching my classes said he'll allow uh, spaces that you cannot fit a dime through. If you can't get a dime in there then it's good enough. So, Ruben, for those that maybe haven't caught previous segments with you on or maybe new to the show altogether, you are uh, the president of a company called Structure Tech. You guys are the leading home inspection team in the Twin Cities with the most amount of quality, uh, and I stress that because it's not always uh, quantity, but quality home inspectors. Uh, You're proud to say that your team has very low turnover and you're growing. 
Yeah, I'm really proud to say that. We've, as far as turnover goes, I mean, basically nothing. Once people get through the training and they're an experienced inspector in our company, they don't leave. I've, I've had two people go ever. One of them retired. That was Dwayne. He yeah, wore the he's done now, huh? Dwayne has officially retired last year. Good for Dwayne. And yeah, another guy, guy moved he's to Asheville. Nice yep. uh, North, is it North Carolina? I think so. He, he moved out of state. So you're pushing people to North Carolina. That's, <laughs> that's just crazy. That's about it. Well, yeah. uh, so on that note, you're if you work with Structure Tech Home Inspections, you're going to get happy people coming out, very knowledgeable people that have extensive knowledge in home improvements, trades, home defects to inspect some of these things, but something that you had written down here in the in the notes for the agenda today is does the seller need to fix this? So uh, there's a defect that comes up in the home inspection, and the buyer says, whoa, that's a big problem here. Does the seller need to fix this? The answer is always no. There's no licensing, no regulation, no nothing when it comes to home inspections here in Minnesota. Sellers don't ever need to do anything. Right. Now, well, okay, I'm going to go ahead and play devil's advocate here because uh, two weeks ago somebody disagreed with me on the show for the first time. Couldn't believe it. No, they didn't. What about no, uh, aren't, aren't there municipalities that require if you're selling uh, that there's some sort of city inspection and then some – or if it's a rental property too, I've – Heard about certain uh, occupancy permits? Something you got to pass. It has to be in a certain condition because they don't want a lot of rental properties going down the tubes. Does yeah, that... definitely, definitely. Everybody here calls them truth and sale of housing evaluations sure. or tish evaluations. Basically, it's an inspection that's done at the time that the home is put up for sale, or well, before it's offered for sale. You're required to have them in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and a bunch of other kind of first ring suburbs sure and we're licensed to do those i've been licensed to do tissue evaluations for like 15 years now and some cities do require repairs of stuff but it's never a situation where a seller has to do it it's just a situation where somebody has to do it so you know in st paul if you get a truth and housing evaluation it's not even a repair program you don't need to fix Anything. You can have holes in your roof and walls can be falling down. None of that is covered by truth in housing. The only thing they want is you need a hardwired smoke alarm. They are funny about that. But no, <laughs> I kid you not. Hmm. Now, in Minneapolis, they have a huge list of stuff that might need to be repaired. And if it's called out on a truth in housing evaluation, somebody needs to deal with it. Either the person selling can take care of it before the house closes and they get a certificate of approval or the person who buys the house can assume responsibility for it, sign a slip saying, yep, I'll get all the repairs done within X days. I don't remember now. I think it's 90. And uh, so I think the takeaway, the takeaway from this is, especially for buyers, you know, it doesn't matter what you find. That seller doesn't have to repair or, or make it better. And so you may find yourself in a position where if you get a little too pushy with your expectations – on what the seller does and doesn't have to do, you may find yourself uh, looking for a different home altogether because they may just pull it and sell it. Folks, we are up against the halftime of the show, so you are going to get your Fox News update on the break. And when we come back here on the All Around Home Improvement Hour, we're going to continue the conversation with Ruben Saltzman and bring on Brad Presley with LP SmartSide to tell us what's new with the awesome siding manufacturer. Folks, we'll be right back right after this. All right, there's a little electrical charge back into your fuel. 
This is the all-around home improvement hour. I'm Slayer Thayer. I'm here with the Polish Powerhouse. Just want to remind the listeners out there, if you need any home improvement help at all, I mean, even if it's not exterior stuff. I mean, at All Around, we primarily focus on roofing, siding, windows, decks, and doors. So everything on the outside of the home, but it doesn't matter. We want to be a resource for you. We know a lot of great people in this industry, from suppliers to manufacturers to tradesmen, mechanical tradesmen. You name it, we can point you in the right direction. Uh, go to allaround.com or email homeimprovementhour at allaround.com. And, of course, you can participate in the show by simply calling live right now, 800-854-1978, 800-854-1978. Uh, fun show going on. So before the break, we're hanging out here with uh, uh, Brad Presley with LP SmartSide and Ruben Saltzman with Structure Tech Home Inspections. Uh, Ruben was uh, basically demything some uh, common misconceptions for us and uh, firewalls. Uh, if you if you were to try to picture, you can't what we're say firewall. About, it's not really the, the <laughs> real deal. They're not really firewalls. So before we take the caller here, Ruben, what um, what more do you have to say to just to just to put out some truth about? The firewalls and to segue into uh, the fire product that El- uh, that Brad brought. Yeah, the one other thing about uh, the separation between a house and a garage is there's this pervasive myth that you need a 20-minute fire-rated door between the house and the garage. You don't. There is no such requirement for a fire-rated door. The code says that either you need a solid-core wood door, a metal door, or you can have a 20-minute fire-rated door. Any one of those three is just fine. And at the national level, it requires self-closers on garage doors. We've amended that out of our Minnesota code. There hmm. is no requirement for a self-closer on a house garage common door. So that's doors. And then the other thing, Brad and I were chatting before the show, and Brad was telling me that they've got a really cool product at LP that allows you to skip the drywall and put in something even better. Yeah, yeah. So at LP, we make a lot more than just smart side. We are a very dynamic building products manufacturer. One of the products we need to make is a product called LP Flame Block. And really what it is is a, it's a piece of OSB that has a, a pyrotite proprietary coating applied to either one side or two to be a part of that rated wall assembly. Uh, and when you're talking about that and that house is a garage application, a lot of times that is a very long wall. Yep. And under the normal building code today, that's gonna you're gonna need to have some sort of a sheer assembly in there to handle any racking components that might happen. You know, as that wall gets long, um, so therefore, a lot of times what builders are having to do is tr- is uh, now sheet that wall with OSB in certain spots and then put drywall over the top, mm. which is a very costly, double labor intensive process. Yeah, for sure. And it also f- provides some challenges from a thickness variation perspective as well. So we have a product that we have done a little bit of research. Now, mostly this product is used in mostly commercial multifamily applications, but it is used, can be used in that house to garage application. Now you have all the benefits from that racking perspective, that structural component of that OSB, in addition to the, uh, I hate to say, that rated wall assembly dynamics that FlameBlock will provide as well. You can say it. You won't get in trouble. (laughs) Firewall. Firewall, right? But one other added component to that is inside that garage. A lot of times people are hanging garage shelves and cabinets and various other things inside that garage. And they struggle with that because now they're hanging off a drywall that doesn't have any of that capacity to do such. Right. Now, with Flame Block, you get that added benefit as well as to being able to hang things off of that sheet OSB that's now going to be structurally rich. It's a lot guys, stronger. Guys, give, give us just a sec. Hang on to that thought. <clears throat> We're going to take a call right now from Paul. Paul, where are you calling from? Minneapolis. 
Great. Thank you so much for calling in. How can we help? Well, I was looking, buying, going to buy a house, 1950s, typical uh, story and a half house. Has a attached garage on the side of the house, like walk-in, but it's not part of the house. Block walls with a poured floor on top and the, you know, for like a patio. After the home inspection, like the underwriter, there's some cracks in the block walls, but it's not pushing in, and they want it core filled. Mm-hmm. I mean, the garage could fall down; and it wouldn't hurt the house. But I mean, you know, it seems. Yeah, that that underwriter obviously hasn't taken a walk around a Minneapolis or St. Paul neighborhood before. I mean. I, I, I don't think I've seen any of those foundations without some sort they're, of... They're probably garage. asking for it because it's connected to the house, right? Maybe some sort of a breezeway well, that connects the garage to the house? No, the, I mean, no, the garage is built right on the end of the basement and oh. the door going and, into the And this is Paul, right? Into the basement. What was your question? Well, I mean, what else? I mean, why would an underwriter make make you do that i've seen the craziest things required by underwriters and i think you're spinning your wheels trying to ask why the underwriters requiring this (laughs) yeah maybe it's time to ask for a different lender lock in with a different lender i mean it's one of them cases where maybe you're just not talking to the right person this is by all means acceptable standards i i guess if you would say for older homes in in the twin cities metro area you're gonna have some cracks i mean it's not perfection and i don't think that Anyone should demand perfection or, or expect perfection. Uh, well, the, the owner found a, a contractor that'll pour fill the walls for $6,000. That sounds like a lot of money for, I'm sure, knock a few holes in it, pump it full of cement. It's not rocket science. Is, that, is there other, other things you could do besides that, or does that sound like a reasonable amount of money? Or That sounds like a reasonable amount of money to me. And if you're looking to do something different, I'd recommend you f- follow up with the lender or the, the underwriter, whoever is telling you you need to do this. Is there a lot of companies that do that kind of work? So, There's or? a lot of foundation yeah, there companies is. here in the Twin Cities. Yep. So for a couple of two 20-foot walls, $6,000 doesn't seem excessive. Huh? Doesn't sound like it to me. No. What would they do? Just knock a hole in it, throw some rebar well, in it? <laughs> you're, we're going beyond the scope of what we can tell you here. Yeah. Yeah. No, Paul, I, I will tell you. You are a citizen of the all-around home improvement hour, though, if that, if that helps well, you. It's Wells Fargo is the bank, so, I mean, huh. it's getting too late to uh, change horses this, this stream, but... Yeah, it's tough. I think that's one of those scenarios where you could have five different uh, underwriters look at it, and each one could say something different, you know, so... Is there is there no way they can find another underwriter or adjust? <laughs> that, yeah, you know, I... Paul, you got to call Uncle Well himself. And see if he can and yeah. see, see if he can maybe make something. I I have no idea, but I will tell you this: thank you so much for calling into the show, and uh, right. hopefully that works out. Keep us posted, okay? Thank you much. Thank you. And my guess is it, it, there's no changing the underwriter. Well, I mean, it's already. Well, the one thing you know that he didn't talk about is the type of loan in which he's going for. You know, uh, from a conventional standpoint, you would, probably wouldn't have these challenges. Right. So, but there's many different types of loan programs out there, and that's where this inspection process probably kicked in. Yeah, it may it may be time just to look at a different lender or get somebody to write some sort of a letter explaining that this is 
they've probably written thousands of loans on homes right in the same area, same bank and everything, and didn't make that a requirement. But somebody's seeing something that they have to call call it out on. Uh, guys, just, just a minute left before we have to go to a break. We're talking firewalls. We're talking LP Smart Side Solution to uh, what most people call a firewall. And don't worry, on this show, we can say firewall. We won't, uh, we won't fire you. Don't no, worry. No, you can't. It's fine. You're fired. Just kidding. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, I don't know. What do we got? What do we got, Brad? Well, this product so, seems so, pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. So our Flame Block product has actually been around for a long time. But like I said, 99% of our um, consumption right now of the product is kind of used in these multifamily, large, high-rise apartment building type structures. That's where you're seeing it used a lot? Yeah, that's where predominantly where the product's used, um, you know, in various other types of multifamily housing. But it can be used in this assembly, and I brought around the document as well to show you that we have approval from um, the ICC that it can be done. Now, what's the cost difference? You know, if you think about it, um, and not to get too much in terms, but let's just say that uh, a sheet of flame block is probably double the price of that corresponding sheet of drywall. Well, that's not too bad, considering but you think it about, takes the place of OSB as well. Right. You, you're right. You, yeah. And on those big shear walls, right, where you now have to structurally reinforce that, that big panel, per se, you're going to pick up all that benefit, along with all those other benefits that we kind of talked about, hanging cabinets and those type of things. The durability of the product versus drywall, you know, drywall. Is what it and is. it's considered a structural panel at that point. Then. It's still a sheet OSB, yeah, with a coating on the outside of that to pick up its protection against flame spread. It's really a flame spread rating. Is really what you're talking about. It's not non-combustible, just like drywall isn't necessarily non-combustible. But sure. what it does is it slows down the spread of that flame into those habitable areas. Just reminds me of all, all the people that you listen to that say, you know, they know a few things about a, a home improvement topic or really any topic for that matter, and then. When they talk about it, they make it fact. And, oh, yeah, and the firewall. you got to have a firewall there. And you know, fired. That's right. <laughs> if you listen to that guy, that's what's going to happen to you. You fired. Pretty much. Guys, we're up against a break. <laughs> we got a lot more coming back. Also, a real estate update from the Minnesota real estate team right after this. I'm just going to take a guess, but Dead Presidents? I remember the song, but I... Tripping Daisy. Tripping Daisies. The firewall's getting in my way. I just can't think. I don't know. Those guys have been sober their entire lives. <laughs> it's a good feel-good tune, though. Man, you know? are we getting old. <laughs> nice summer jam for you there. Folks, this is the all-around home improvement hour. And just a reminder to those out there that may be in the market to either buy or sell a home, that we do partner up with the most successful real estate team in the country, the Minnesota real estate team. My buddy, Ryan O'Neill, licensed real estate agent with REMAX Advantage Plus, is the leader of the Minnesota real estate team. And if you have a need in real estate, he has you covered him and his team of experts are there to provide genuine knowledge, zero, zero uh, pressure, and uh, they're just great people. And so th that's who I trust with my real estate stuff, Polish Powerhouse. You're on the same page? Absolutely on the same page. So go to mnrealestateshow.com. Also, he has a seminar every single month about uh, one, or one topic or the other. Um, no credit card machines, no books for sale. Just good, local knowledge that they want to give away 
and hopefully you'll think of them when it's time to buy or sell. Before the break, we're hanging out here. We had a good caller. We thank Paul for calling in. We appreciate that. Um, but we're we're talking with Brad Presley with LP SmartSide and, and Ruben Saltzman with Structure Tech Home Inspections. Brad, so LP SmartSide, pretty much if you don't know who the company is, you've been living under a rock for the last five to seven years. Yeah. You guys have, in my opinion, really, really came in and pushed your way into the lead for, uh, I don't know if you want to call it luxury cladding, luxury plank cladding. Um, you know, it was it was primarily hardy before, and uh, I'm not afraid to say this, but I, I feel like the vast uh, majority of the market has gone to LP Smart Side. You guys do so much more though than just smart siding, and that's what we're talking about today. Is another product that you brought in, which is LP Flame Block. Flame Block. So, where's somebody going to put this in their home? Talk to me like uh, like I'm the guy that I am, which is very simple. Well, on a detached single-family home, on a detached single-family home, that would be the application of that house-to-garage wall. Most of the time where that product's going to be used, like I said, in a multifamily application where you have, let's say, a, a townhome where you have several units side-by-side side or a duplex, whatever – in that type of an assembly, not only you have to have that common wall that's going to have to have some sort of a fire rating, yep. but that roof deck assembly as well. So how that works is in the attic. Up, yeah, it, not well in the attic, but in the roof deck, where where from a you know roof sheathing perspective. Yep. Where what that means is the code says that you have to be four four feet away from that middle separation wall. Okay. That's going to have to be fire rated as well, and that is a number one use of of LP flame block in that perspective, because not only is it it's just like handling OSB with the rest of the roof is sheeted like OSB. It's going to perform the same way. It's nice and lightweight. It's moisture-resistant from that standpoint like normal OSB is with, yep. with a, what is going to be called a, a 30-day weatherization policy, you know, those type of things. It's, it's just an easy product to use um, that's consistent with what they're using today. They also pick up that fire rating. Do you think that a lot of the residential builders maybe just don't know uh, how affordable it might be compared to doing the two, you know, uh, installation system with the OSB and the drywall? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And that's not something that even from an LP perspective, we've done a great job. We've been very focused on the other component, the other ways to utilize the product. Yep. But this is definitely an easy way in which you can integrate utilizing LP flame block. And so you might say, all right, so what do you do? People want to finish their inside of their, you know, the inside of their garage, paint that drywall. You can paint LP flame block. It's paintable, you can, you ready can to go. Mud and tape the seams just like normal, but you just get the two for one option in terms of that structural component of the OSB panel and then the flame spread resistance of that pyrotite coating. Sure. All in one product in LP flame block. You could still tape the seams if you wanted to and finish off that, that uh, garage and, and paint that paint it like you would paint drywall in order to get that aesthetic detail you're looking for on the inside. I think the strength side of it, too, I mean, you think drywall, if you have kids and stuff, a hockey puck, other things that might hit the wall that would, you know, drywall isn't going to take much of a beating where no. it sounds like this product, would. it's just it's a little bit more rigid as far as the strength of it. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's like handing a sheet OSB, so you're just not going to break it. Right. Yeah, is, and oh, go ahead, Ruben. Is the building official going to approve this stuff? Well, I got the I got the report right here. If you wanted to reach out, you could obviously reach out to the guys here at All Around. I can give you a copy too, as Ruben as well. So, therefore, if there was any question whatsoever, here's the report that you got the proof it's, that it's, it's that's the exactly right. It's not just Brad Presser yeah. from LP stating this, which <laughs> means something I would like to think. But in the end of the day, we actually have third party verification that okay. this meets the standard. So cool. And and just to kind of. Um, touch on this part of it the builders usually don't go in my opinion the extra mile to accommodate for finishing 
uh, garages, adding a deck, uh, finishing right. a basement, even sprinkler system, sod. They get you the bare bones, the home, and everything that's required to, Two make, trees. to make it a home, right? And then this extra... So so who's buying this stuff? Is it remodeling contractors? Is it homeowners going to the home improvement stores and buying it? Where can they find it, and, and who's buying it? Well, first of all, I, I would truly believe that this is something that probably has to be done in the in the actual framework construction of the home. Oh, really? It's probably more of a new construction play. Although, I think as the building code changes, right, I, as, as homes transition from one owner to the next, now they're going to have to bring them up to a certain minimum code standard. Okay. And that might be a great opportunity to put LP flame block. Um, uh, uh, you know, in that structure, in that application, in that house, to that common wall application. But to think about it, where can you buy it? Obviously, most of your major lumber yards here in town, they all have access to LP Flame Block. Mm-hmm. Um, you could actually go to some of the big box stores. They'll have some um, availability as well. But, but for the most part, all your lumber yards here in town will, will understand what Flame Block is. And the Polish powerhouse's garage. He has some extra pieces, too. He's willing to sell them to you at a cost, at a premium. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, no, that's great information for the listeners uh, thinking about down the road, going to finish going to finish off the garage, going to make it uh, a better place to hang out, and then you're going to keep your home safe, more safe. We can't necessarily call it a firewall, Ruben. You can call it whatever you want, Charles. I prefer you don't. If you do. I'm starting to get mad, actually. But I will come and hunt you down. <laughs> No, that, Firewall police. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So, Brad, uh, how can Firewall. remodelers, builders, anybody interested in this product from LP SmartSide or from LP? They can get, get more involved. information. Obviously, we have a website, lpflameblock.com, or you could just go on lpcorp.com. We have a number of different consumer-facing websites where you can get information on FlameBlock along with all of our products, LP SmartSide as well. Um, so go out and check it out. A couple clicks, and away you go. That's awesome. And... Uh, I mean, you've been such a help to our company. You've been such a, an advocate, just a great partner, marketing partner, helping us get our name out and, and tying it together with the brand, LP SmartSide. How can other contractors get involved with you as a rep or, or Chris as a rep? Um, so that they can have that support, that great support that you provide all around. You know, uh, and, and we have a number of different um, contractor type of programs. One of the main ones in which we do from a, from a contractor perspective is our LP Build Smart program, which is not necessarily a certification, but it is a preferred contractor program, which all around is a part of at the most pl- premium level, at the platinum level. Yes. Um, so, uh, uh, so that is an opportunity for contractors to further engage with LP and to take it to the next level. There's a lot of great resources, too, for contractors on there. And then ultimately, uh, as the contractor learns more and knows more about the product, they can better help their customers, right? So helping the contractor learn about it and understand the products ultimately helps the end user of that, which is the homeowner that's purchasing that. So that is a great resource. We use it. Uh, some of the training and things, literature and stuff that you can get on there is is top-notch and, and definitely resourceful from from my perspective so yeah so if you're doing some research out there and you're and you're interviewing various contractors for exterior work and looking at lp smart side which i hope you are um make sure that they are aligned with us from an lp build smart perspective because that is a critical component to not to say that all contractors that are not a part of the program don't know what they're doing but i can tell you that if they are part of the build smart program they have been through our training programs nice brad thanks so much for joining us again we appreciate it as always any final thoughts for the listeners maybe somebody listening at home anything 
anything? You know, it looks like it's going to be a decent day today. Maybe go out, hit the fair, have a little fun, right? Nice. The, yes. the winter's yes. coming. Winter's yes. coming. I'll see you there. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Charles is the king of the, the state fair. Yes, I absolutely. All the parking rides on the way here were just crushed with cars. Ruben Saltzman, Structure Tech, Home Inspection, StructureTech1.com. Final thoughts? Subscribe to the blog. Shout out to my brother-in-law, Jim. What up, Jim? What up, Jimmy? Polish Powerhouse. Shout out to Lindstrom. I'll be up there today ripping some lips, hopefully, if Folks, they bite. enjoy the fall-like weather. Thanks so much for listening, and God bless. Yeah.